Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Look at y'all. Good morning. You might have seen me last night. I might have kind of stood out because I think I was the only adult dressed up. I looked like a queen. I had like a giant dress on. Giant. I just love this church though. You guys are just so loving and warm and welcome. And you can really feel the spirit here. And I love that. This is one of my very favorite songs. So I just would welcome you guys to just sing and entering into worship. Amen. I tried to fit you in the walls inside my mind. I tried to keep you safely in between the lines. I tried to put you in a box that I designed. you down so we are at to act. But when I forget that you've always been the king of the world, I gotta take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small when you're the one who holds it So who am I to try and take the lead? Still I run ahead and think I'm strong enough. When you're the one who made me from the dust. So when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? I try to take You've always been 
Anybody want to come and sign? This is my oldest. This is Kaylee. Amen. I'm just going to ask you guys to press in this morning and worship a God who is worthy and that there is power in the name of Jesus. Power to heal. Power to save in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, he's So freely given, 
Lord, we just come to you this morning, God. Hearts ready to worship the King of Kings, Lord. The King of Kings, God. For you are our Father. And you're such a good, good Father, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we strip aside any pride, Lord, that would hinder us from worshiping you fully and completely this morning. Lord, I bind up any scheme that the enemy has placed on any saint in this house this morning, God. That we would just come to you humble and offering worship, Lord.
before and I, I told you before that um, I just kind of come up here and do what I do <laughs> sorry but um, and is he not thank you I just love that song though because <laughs> He is such a good, good father. Amen. I mean, has he done something for you that is worthy to be praised? I mean, that just makes you want to jump on your feet and say, that's my God. Bigger than anything. Bigger than anything. Any problem. Any loss. He is bigger and he is good. I'm going to move on to the next song now. I promise. I get all off in these tangents. Don't worry. Just go with it. Amen? Y'all are kind of quiet this morning. You guys okay with just going with my tangents here or what? (laughs) All right. This next song is called Though You Slay Me, and it's actually right from the book of Job. If you're familiar with Job's song uh, or Job's story, I kind of felt like Job for a little while there. was kind of losing everybody and everything all around me. And uh, I would just sit down and play and cry my eyes out to this song. I would just sing my heart out on this song. And I thought, I would just like to share this with you guys this morning. It was on my heart this morning. And so I just wanted to share it with you. It's called, Though You Slay Me. Come 
who's broken, one who's torn me apart. You strike down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love that I might know you in your suffering. But though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship, sing a song to the one who's all I need. A heart and flesh may fail, the earth below give away, but with my eyes, with my Lifted high on that day, behold the Lamb that was slain, and I know every tear was worth it all. And though you slay me, yet I will praise you, though you take from me, I will bless your name, though you.
worship in there. she was here I uh, nodded at her during the invitation she kept on singing today she nodded at me to come and preach now she's still playing so I don't know <laughs> honey I'm Baptist I don't know how to do all of this <laughs> I tell you what though I keep praying that Alita will learn to express herself in the spirit but that song she just sang, Though You Slay Me, I don't know. She may know the, the story behind it. Some of you may not. But Shane Bernard that wrote that song, wrote that song, got the inspiration for it, in the hotel room, hospital room. He and his mother sat. His father had just passed away. And as his mother obviously broke down, having lost her husband, and, and Shane was trying to be tough, having just lost the father, and he's sitting there trying, trying to be there for his mother, and his mother cries out the words from Job 121. You give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In that moment, his mother, having just lost her husband of I don't know how many years, said, you give and take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, you slay me, I will worship. Alita, thank you so much. Thank you so much for singing power in the name of Jesus. Because if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2 this morning, you'll see that the title of this morning's message is something about that name. Something about that name. I want to take a real quick moment, really, really quick before we get going to tell you, last night we had a tremendous turnout for the trunk or treat. We had a tremendous turnout. Without a doubt, the most uh, that we've seen at, at any such event uh, ever. Uh, many people agreed that, that I know I've only been here two years, but even before that, we had more people come through for the Trunk or Treat event, more visitors, more people to fellowship in the name of the Lord than we've ever had. I want to thank you. If you shared that uh, flyer on social media, if you took a flyer and handed it out, if you told a friend, if you told a co-worker, if you, if you shouted from the rooftops, if you said something to anybody uh, to promote that event, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank all of those who worked so hard uh, to make the event a success. We had kitchen workers who were here early who stayed late. Uh, we had table setters. We had chair toters. We had people decorating vehicles. We had people driving tractors. We had someone driving a truck uh, on a hayride. And so I want to thank every, it took every, every person to make the event happen. And so thank you uh, so much from the bottom of my heart. There was uh, one, uh, one little blip on the evening um, when the chili cook-off took place. I was upended as champion by Miss Marsha Garrett. Uh, I have requested a recount <laughs> and the verification of the judge's qualifications. I'm assuming the judges were bound to be under the influence of some substance. Uh, but, uh, but congratulations to Miss Marcia 
and uh, next year we'll have different judges, I can promise you that. But uh, something about that name, something, something about that name, there's something about that name, isn't there? Something about that name. And, and in case you don't know, the name I'm talking about is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. There is something special about the name of Jesus. Something spectacular about the name of Jesus. There, there's healing in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's comfort in the name. There's peace in the name of Jesus. There is calm in the name of Jesus. Deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's help in the name of Jesus. There is no other name but Jesus given by which men are saved. He's called by many names. He's called Christ, Lord, Master, Teacher, the Word, Son of God, Son of Man, Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the Light of the World, the King of the Jews, the King of Kings, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the Bread of Life, the Living Water, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning, the End, and Lord of Lords among others. Those are just a few of the New Testament names for Jesus that we are given for Jesus. And just uttering those words, just uttering those words, just now as I recited those words to you, I don't know about you, but there was just something about that name that resonated in my soul. Lord of lords, King of kings, Messiah, God with us, power, salvation, Jesus. And so this morning we're going to look into our text at just three aspects about the name of Jesus and see if we can't figure out why that there's something about that name. So please stand in honor and reverence of the Holy Word of God from Philippians chapter 2. And beginning in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you. We thank you because we recognize that your Holy Spirit dwelling among us is a gift. God, it's a gift. We recognize that apart from your Spirit, we could not worship. And so, God, we thank you for worshiping this morning. God, we recognize that worship doesn't end when a song service ends, but that everything we do is worship. And so the preached word this morning is worship. To open your book and study your word is to worship you, God. God, we pray that you would bind anything from this house that would hinder our worship over the next few minutes, Lord God. 
and that you would go and change our lives, that we would draw nearer to you. And it's in your precious heavenly name we pray, God. And all of God's people said, and you may be seated. So the first thing we're going to look at this morning, first thing we're going to look at is the preeminence of the Savior. The preeminence of the Savior. Right there at the end of verse 5, heading into verse 6, we see something. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Christ Jesus, and then who being in the form of God. Let's just stop right there for just a second. Christ Jesus being in the form of God. Now that looks like a pretty simple statement. It looks like something that we ought to be able to read through pretty quick. But, but I want us to really to dive into it and look. Because that word for being, Christ Jesus who being, it's not really the same word we have for being. It's not referring to a, a current existence or a current state of something. That word literally in the Greek would refer to the continued existence or the essence of something. So the unchangeable things of something. So it, it literally would say, more specifically, the things about something that will not change, that cannot change. So what's significant about that? Read that again with me with that understanding. Christ Jesus, who was continuing in the form that he always was as he was always God. Christ Jesus continuing in the essence that he always was because he was always God. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus was God. Jesus was preeminent above all creation. Jesus was before all things. Jesus is holy God. Jesus is more than the carpenter's son. Jesus is more than the babe born of a virgin. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is and always has been and always will be God. It is unchangeable and it is eternal and it will not ever cease to be. Jesus never stopped being God. Jesus never started being God. Jesus has always been God. It doesn't begin in a manger. And so how can I illustrate that a little bit? How can I illustrate that a little bit? Because I know that's you're listening to me say that and you're going, great. But let me illustrate that to you just a little bit. What I mean by the unchanging nature and the eternal nature. So, me personally, my unchanging nature would be that I am a male human being. I have always been a male human being. I will always be a male human being. Despite what society may say about what I may choose to be later in life, I was born a male human being. I will die a male human being. That nature of me is unchanging. It's never changed. From the day that my mother first held me, I was a male human being. And the day that I pass away, I will continue to be a male human being. But in, in that span... I have gone from a babe in my mother's arms to a toddler to a teenager to a husband to a father. I have been thin. I have been slightly not thin. I have been a young man. I have been a middle-aged man. I have been a very handsome middle-aged man, right? You see what I'm saying? 
My eternal nature is that I am a male human being, but my changing nature, my being that evolves, would be what current state I'm in. And so when this text we see the, the, the term there is not referring to the state of Jesus in whatever moment that that might be. It's referring to the eternal state that Jesus was always God. He's always been God. And so existed for eternity in the form of God. We see that he has never been and never will be anything other than God. Colossians 1.15 in fact says that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the shining glory of God that we can see. When we think of Jesus, we tend to remember the virgin birth. We tend to remember the cross. We tend to remember the tomb. We tend to remember the miracles of Jesus walking on this earth. We tend to remember all those things that we like to relate to as humans, all of those things that we like to see. We like to remember the man of Jesus, but we cannot... Remember those things, as important as they are, and forget the essence of God, that He is also the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, that all things were made through Him. He didn't begin at the virgin birth. He didn't cease at the cross. He is, was, and always will be God. Now, there's a reason why we want to make sure that we make that case. We have to make that case that we recognize that Jesus is has and always will be God. Now, I know that doesn't sound profound, but I want you to sink in because the next point is going to be important that you grasp just who Jesus is and who he has been. So first, we see the preeminence of the Savior. He has always been God. But second, I want us to look at the humility of the Savior, the humility of the Savior. Verse 7 introduces us to this aspect of Jesus. And we have to grasp who he truly was, is, and always will be in order to get what verse 7 means. Because verse 7 is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. The, the, the theology of verse 7 is so important, but it's so important because of the theology of the end of verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6. Look at verse 7 with me real quick. It says, but made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation. That phrase literally means, if you translated that phrase directly, it would say, he emptied himself of himself. He emptied himself of himself. So what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about this. Even though Jesus was, is, and always will be God, he emptied himself of his prerogatives and his rights divinely and all of his sovereign things that he had. He emptied himself willingly of all of those to come and be a man. Now let me say that again. Apparently only two of you got it. Jesus, even though he was, is, always has been, never ceased to be God. God, creator of all things. There at the beginning, there before the beginning. Even though that's who Jesus was, he emptied himself of himself to come and be a man. Now that is the humility of a Savior. I don't know very many people in this place who if they had ascended in their workplace to a place of supervisor would be willing to humble themselves back to a place of introductory person or laborer. If you've made your place as a foreman of a crew, those of you on a working crew, you wouldn't want to humble yourself to go back to being a laborer. But Jesus, as fully God, being above all things, creating all things, willingly emptied himself 
himself of what was due himself and became even lower than a laborer. He became a slave. He became a man in this sin-sick world. He refused to cling to his nature for his advantage so that he could humble himself for the advantage of us. Think about that. He left his advantages for our advantage. He humbled himself and became a man. I want to be clear. He never emptied himself of his deity. He never emptied himself of his nature. He never said, well, I used to be God, but I'm not God anymore. One day I'll be God again. No, no, no. He just left his advantages. He continued to be God, but he also became man. John 5 says he set aside his independent authority to submit to the will of the heavenly father. He set aside his glory in heaven to become a carpenter's son on this earth. He set aside his riches in glory to be poor on this earth. He set aside his company of holy angels in heaven and endured the demons on this earth. He set aside his perfect communion with the Father to be forsaken by the Father on the cross. He emptied himself and became a slave in the likeness of man. He took on the appearance and the attributes of man. Now that's that's something to think about here. Sometimes we're good at thinking of of awesome, dead man-raising, blind man-healing, Jesus is God in the human flesh, and, and think of that. But don't forget that when he put on that flesh, he came in the likeness of man, and he left something behind. He humbled himself to do this. That means when it says he came in the likeness of man, he didn't, when he was a baby... Looking up at Mary and Joseph at a few months old, he, he didn't look up at Mary and Joseph and begin to speak and say, boy, you guys have no idea what you're holding. No, when Jesus was a baby taking on the likeness of man, he cried and he, he laughed and he did all of the things because he put on flesh and became man. He, he, Mary and Joseph held that baby. He was, they were holding a baby. He did what babies do when he was a few months old. As he grew, he, he was tempted in his flesh the way that we are tempted. He came fully in the likeness of man. He put on flesh. According to Colossians 1.22, he reconciled us in his heavenly, in his fleshly body through death. And so Jesus was a real man in a real body Dying as a real substitute for us. Now I want you to let that sink in because I don't think you're not getting it the way I got it this week. Because if you did, some of you would, would shout hallelujah. What I'm saying is that Jesus left heaven, put on flesh, endured temptation and did all those things and went to a cross. And when he went to that cross, he was our substitution. So that means when you read in the gospel... And you read all of those things in the Gospels and you see all of the things that happened to Jesus on that cross. What you need to do is you need to think of this truth. That was me. Not that should have been me, not that could have been me. That was me. I just didn't have to feel it because Jesus felt it for me. But that was me when he was there. He was taking my sins and nailing with that cross. Verse 8 says, even though he had the appearance of man... He looked like a man. He humbled himself to this appearance, but he did not stop there with his humiliation. 
You know, Jesus had already humbled himself quite a bit to even come to this earth. He had already humbled himself when he came to this earth to come to this earth as a carpenter's son born in a manger. He had already done a lot of humiliation. You know, I, I would like to think of God sometimes and you think, well, here you have the creator of the world and he decides he's going to put on flesh. Surely he could come and be born into a palace. And here you have the creator of all things. He decides he's going to put on flesh and submit himself to be part of his creation. Surely he could come in some other form. But Jesus humbled himself to the lowest form to be born in a manger, to be born into a, a carpenter's family. He, he, he already humbled himself that far. And you would think that when he got here, Jesus might look up at the Father and say, Look, I gave up heaven. I already gave up heaven. I already came. I was already born to a poor family. I've already done all of these things. I've already given up all that. I've humbled myself so much, I'm done. I'm, as, I'm, I'm humiliated as far as I'm going to be humiliated. I've humbled myself as far as I'm going to humble myself. But no, that's not what Jesus has said. It says that he humbled himself how far? That he became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Now think of that with me. Because you've got to get the depth of the humility of Jesus before that name really means anything to you. You've got to get the depth of just what he did before you can really fathom what I'm saying there. Not only did he put on flesh, not only did he dwell among men, not only was he part of the sin-stained world that he was divine over in his nature, I'm going to die. But think about the essence of God. God's life. God is life. But Jesus said, I'm going to leave my essence of being life. And I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I'm not just going to die. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to die on a cross. He didn't look at the Father and say, Father, I'll submit to die, but I want it to happen. I want to have a heart attack in my sleep. He didn't say, Father, I don't mind going to earth. I don't mind humbling myself. I don't mind dying, but I want you to, to, to take me at, at night. I want to die an old man. I want to, I want to die in this way. No, he said, he said Father... If this is the way it has to be, I'll do it. Even on a cross. Now, when Paul wrote these words, even on a cross, the, the people that he was writing to there, they would have fully understood what that meant because they were used to seeing the crucifixions take place. They were used to seeing men strapped to wooden crosses up there dying in the heat. Suffering in anguish. They were used to that. So all Paul had to write was obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And all those who read that would understand what Paul was saying and they'd go, oh my goodness. But I want to make sure that we're reminded just a little bit of how humble Jesus became that he would die on a cross. Now, I can't do it justice, but most of you know the story, so I'm going to do it real quick. But we can't overlook this. 
Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, which is, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. But he didn't just humble himself to an average death. He humbled himself to the point that he would endure a mock trial, that he would take a guilty verdict, that even though he had the power to command a legion of angels to rescue him, he would willingly go and be beaten, laid across and, and split open by a cat of nine tails, blood dripping down his back. He would look up all the time with the ability to call upon a legion of angels and save himself, but obediently to the Father, he would endure that pain and those lashes. He would endure all of that blood on his face, a crown of thorns on his head, laid on a wooden tree, spikes nailed into his hands and his feet, pushed up for the world to see, mocked, cursed, beaten, spit upon, given sour wine and vinegar to drink, his side pierced, is forsaken by the Father. You know, out of all of those things, that moment when He took on our sin and the Father had to turn His face away from His Son and that perfect communion that had always been was broken, I believe that that was the point that Jesus endured the most agony. As the Father turned His face away, as Jesus took on your sin, He humbled Himself not just to come, not just to be a carpenter's son, not just to die, but to take your punishment that you deserved, put it on his back and say, I will die for these people. The depth of the humility of Jesus is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our comprehension. But here's what I want you to know. That he loves you that much. Think about that. He loves you that much. He loves you that much that he would leave his divine essence behind and be a man and die. You know, I hear people say, How can, you, how can you praise? How can you praise a God when bad things happen? When all these bad things are happening to all these people, how can you praise a God that lets these things happen? How can Shane Bernard write a song, Though He Slay Me? How can his mother sing the scripture as her husband had just died at a time when it seems like you'd want to curse God? You think back to Job and his very wife said, curse God and die. Be done with it. And people ask me that. And I can't help but think about the cross. And I can't help but think about what Jesus did for me on that cross when he humbled himself to the point of death because he loved me that much. And if you think about the fact that no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what it is, no matter what pain, no matter what loss, no matter what sickness, no matter what hardship comes upon you, Jesus died on a cross that, that didn't say this earth is going to be great peaches and cream every day's, a, uh, every day's a Friday, it's a weekend all the time, let's all be happy. He said, I'm going to a cross, I'm going to prepare a place.
place for you in eternity and I'm going to humble myself to the point of death that one day you may inherit a heavenly home and leave all of these rags behind. When we sing a song that says break every chain, yes, chains get broken on this earth and praise God that chains get broken on this earth. But do you know that the chains that are broken that really matter happen when you cease to exist on this earth and you begin to exist with your Father and all of your chains are gone. I'm not chained to this body no more. I'm not chained to my shortcomings no more. i got a new song. I've got a new life. I've got a new body. I'm going to be able to sing like Miss Alita. I know you don't believe it now, but I'm going to be able to sing it and I'm going to write songs that nobody's ever heard because they're going to be in the presence of a Savior that humbled himself and died for me. Now that, my friends, is important. I've done a lot of things for a lot of people. I've had a lot of people help me. I've never had anybody. Never had anybody but Jesus who left his divine essence as God became a man and died for me. There's something about that name. The preeminence of the Savior. The humility of the Savior. And finally, the exaltation of the Savior. Verse 9 is beautiful. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. God has highly exalted him and given him the name above all names. That exaltation of God began three days after that death on that cross. God raised Jesus, affirming that what Jesus had said on that cross when he said, To Talistai, it's finished. God was affirming that it indeed was finished when he raised Jesus. And he exalted him by raising him from the dead. He exalted him that when Jesus ascended into heaven, he took that most important seat at the right hand of the Father. He exalted him in that. According to verse 11, that name Christ, Lord, is that name above every name. That that name, Lord of Lords. He has that exaltation. And there's something about that name. But I want you to look at at when this exaltation will be complete. Because Jesus, as he earned that name, Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, our Lord, when he earned that name, he didn't just earn it for those that want to call him Lord. No, no, no. The Bible tells us that whether you want to or not, every single knee is going to cry out, Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It doesn't say every knee can bow and every tongue may confess. It says that every knee will bow and every knee will confess. That means every created thing that you see, every created person you've ever met is going to one day acknowledge that Christ is Lord. Why? Because he earned that name when he humbled himself and came to a cross and he's now exalted by God that he will be acknowledged as Lord. There is something about that name of Jesus though. The name's a healing name. You know, the end of this week, we spent in the hospital with our five-week-old baby running a fever. 
And you would think on our fourth kid that all the curveballs would have been thrown at us. Right? I, I remember saying something stupid like that when we were pregnant. And they said, are you ready? I said, it's number four. How much more ready can I get? Well, guess what? You learn something new all the time. This week I learned that it doesn't matter how many kids you've had. And it doesn't matter how many doctors tell you when your baby is laying with a fever and they don't know why, you feel pretty helpless. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to think. When you look at your wife, when the doctors are talking about doing spinal taps and IVs and blood draws and all these things that you've never even had done to yourself, and they're fixing to do them to your five-week-old baby, and you see your wife's eyes get big as saucers, and you know she's fixing to rip the head off of a doctor. You don't know what to do. You can go to all the seminary classes you want to. You can do all the, the John MacArthur Bible studies you want to do, but you don't know what to do. But you know what you still got? You got the power in the name of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's all that mattered. It's to call upon the name of the Jesus. I look back at my life. Some 30 years ago or more now, my mother had ovarian cancer. You know, I didn't know what that meant as a child. But you know what I know is that the power in the name of Jesus is why she's still here today. You know, this past week, we sat waiting on the results from some scans on my father. And I didn't know what else to call on, so I just called on the name of Jesus. And you know what? There is still healing power in the name of Jesus. If you can testify this morning that there's power in the name of Jesus, say amen. amen. There is healing power. There's something about that name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He's a healing God. But you know what? As good as he is, as good as he's been, as good as he's been to me this week, Whatever sickness, whatever ailment you're facing, whatever problem, whatever struggle you got, there's power in the name of Jesus. But, but do you know that despite all the good things he's done and healing things on this earth, can I tell you this morning that that name isn't just a healing name for earthly troubles? That name isn't a healing name to cure cancers and to, and to make babies' fevers go away and to do all those things. That name is a healing name because it is a saving name. It is a healing name from a bigger enemy than cancer. It's a healing name. From your debt of sin. Verse 10 and 11 tell us that every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. <coughs> every tongue is going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so I ask you this question this morning. <coughs> I'm giving you the knowledge. That everybody in this house is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen. I ask you this question, will you do it on this side of judgment and enjoy eternity and communion with the Father in heaven? Or will you do it on the other side of judgment when you're made to? And that would be the last thing you do on your way to eternal torment. The last thing you do on the way to eternal torment is to finally acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And then go spend an eternity paying for not doing it in this life. This doesn't seem to add up to me. And so I ask you this morning, have you confessed Jesus is Lord?
because you will one day. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, God, we come to you and there is something about the name of Jesus. There's something about that name because you earned that name as Christ Lord. You humbled yourself. You came to this earth. You died on the cross for us. Now you are exalted, Lord God. And so God, in your house this morning, there are those there are those who need to come this morning and just exalt you because you deserve it, Lord God. Maybe somebody in the house needs to come and just say, God, you've been so good to me that I need to come to your feet right now and just praise you because you're worth it, God. God, you've been so good to me that I just want to praise you. I want to exalt your name because your name is above all other names. And I want to lift you high. God, there's somebody here this morning walking through a valley. And they need to come and say there's power in the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. It's a name above all other names. And I need to call upon that name this morning to see me through this storm. God, give them the courage to come and call out to you this morning. God, there may be somebody here this morning who's never confessed you as Lord. God, give them the courage and the conviction that they would make this day their day of confession and salvation, Lord God. And every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, Lord. Let us do it in unison on this earth. God, we pray that your glory would fall upon us. Every head remain bowed. Every eye remain closed as my sister begins to sing.
another verse and chorus for us, Miss Alita. Let's worship together. The altar's still open. We're going to sing this in unison, though. It's worth singing. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, like a fragrance after. again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.